0: So chapter 23 of the book of Ezekiel, God continues to talk about the unfaithfulness of his people, the children of Israel. And he's going to talk about the ten northern tribes, Samaria. And he's going to talk about Jerusalem and Judah as well. And he's going to name them as Ahola, as uh, Samaria, which was the capital of the ten northern tribes of Israel. And then also Aholaha, which means um, You know, which identifies as Jerusalem. And he is going to be talking about them giving themselves over to foreign uh, nations and to to foreign gods. God ordained um, marriage back in the garden. And we know that for us as Christians, uh, Jesus, he's our bridegroom. We're the bride of Christ. And Paul, in that mystery, says this is a mystery when he talks about marriage concerning Christ and the church that we are to love our wives' husbands as Christ loves the church. And and Christ, of course, you know, served us. He he died for us, laid down his life, faithful to us. So that was a picture of Christ being our bridegroom to the church, um, the bride of Christ. And and, in ordaining marriage, those components are all part of it, faithfulness and loving and cherishing and serving and And um, and it's 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 a powerful picture that the scripture gives to us. And that's what God desire for his people, for those qualities to be a part of it, that God's people be faithful to him. Uh, He uh, expresses the Lord that, you know, Israel was betrothed to him and uh, that he was a husband to them. But yet they committed spiritual adultery, we've already seen, in fornication. And he's going to express that. He ordained them to be faithful to him, but they weren't. And they gave themselves over to uh, the Assyrians, he talks about, and then the Chaldeans. So that's what we're going to be looking at as we go through chapter 23. Again, a lot of poetic language that is used. And he talks about the two harlot sisters. The word of the Lord came to me in verse 1 of chapter 23, saying, Son of man, there are two women, the daughters of one mother. They committed harlotry in Egypt. They committed harlotry in their youth. Their breasts were their embraced. Their virgin bosom was their press. Their names Ahola, the elder, and Ahola Ba. Her sister, they were mine, verse 4, I have that underlined, and they were bore sons and daughters as for their name. Samaria is Ahola and Jerusalem Ahola uh, Ba. So here Ahola is identified as, as I mentioned already, Samaria, the capital of the 10 northern tribes of Israel. Her name means her tent uh, or her own tabernacle. And it could be very much in reference to when the ten northern tribes split away from uh, Judah and Jerusalem under the reign of Rehoboam, Solomon's son. Jeroboam was the first king of the ten northern tribes. And Jeroboam set up a, a place of worship to the golden calf up in Dan and then also in Bethel. He told the people, don't go to Jerusalem, don't go there and worship, don't go there for the feast." Don't go there to take your sacrifices. But I'm going to establish two places. Again, they were places of idol worship. And they were given over to Egypt. The, 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 the children of Israel coming out of Egypt, uh, they came to the mountain of God. Moses is up on the mountain for 40 days. And they begin to build that golden calf, you know, the, one of the gods of Egypt, and to dance around it. And all of a sudden, they went back to that, as Egypt is mentioned here. You committed harlotry in Egypt, committed harlotry in their youth. And now they went back when Jeroboam established those two places uh, dedicated to the golden calf. And so here the the name is Ahola, uh, her tent, her own tabernacle. And then Ahola-ah, uh is the other name. And uh, we see that in this uh, Aholaah was, uh, her name means, uh, uh, as we look at it, um, that my tent is in her. It implies God's temple was in Jerusalem. Others have said it simply means that Jerusalem was no different in her than her sister Samaria. But we do know that God had established the temple in Jerusalem. And, and as we continue reading in verse 5, uh, how they played to the harlot, Ahola played to harlot even though she was mine. And In verse 4 and verse 5, that is repeated. They were mine. They belonged to to me. They were betrothed to me. I was their husband, the Lord is saying. They were mine, and they committed this spiritual adultery. They, They went after those foreign gods, and he is going to describe how they were enticed by those foreign gods and those foreign powers. And they were mine, though. And you can feel the heart of the Lord as he is saying this. They played the harlot. She lusted for her lovers, in verse 5, the neighboring Assyrians who were clothed in purple, captains and rulers, and all of them desirable young men, horsemen riding on horses. Thus she committed her harlotry with them, all of them choice men of Assyria. And with all for whom she lusted, with all their idols she defiled herself." She has never given up her harlotry brought from Egypt, for in her youth they had lain with her, pressed her virgin bosom, and poured out their immorality upon her. Verse 9, Therefore I have delivered her into the hand of her lovers, into the hand of the Assyrians whom she lusted. They uncovered her nakedness, took away her sons and daughters. And slew her with the sword, and became a byword among women, for they had executed judgment on her. So, so we continue reading, God first addressed Samaria, her sins was her alliance with the Assyrians, even worshiping the same gods and as you read, uh, for example, through the books of of uh, first and second kings, particularly second kings. And as you read about Israel, the ten northern tribes, it was really bad. And we know that it was in Second Kings chapter 17, Hosea tried to break his alliance with the Assyrians by looking to Egypt for help. And then the ten northern tribes would be handed over to the Assyrians, taken off into captivity. But reading these verses here, again, verse 5, I notice that she played a harley even though she was mine. That we read, and then in verse six, clothed in purple, captains and rulers, in other words, uh, impressed with, you know, their army in purple. You fell for that. You were enticed by that. And then in verse nine, as we read there, that therefore I've delivered her into the hands of your lovers. I delivered her into the Assyrians, into the hands of your lovers. You were enticed by them, and the Assyrians listen were very, very cruel. They would come into an area and they tortured the people. You remember Jonah, the story of Jonah, that Jonah was told to go to Nineveh and to preach, the capital of the Assyrians. And Jonah said, no, I'm going to get on a boat. I'm going to go to Tarsus, the complete opposite direction, because he hated the Assyrians, because the way they treated people, and they would come and skin people alive, they would if they took any of your jewelry they didn 't just take it off your finger, they would cut you in pieces, they just chop your finger off or chop your ear off to get an earring, and they would skin people alive and some villages, when they knew that they couldn 't escape the Assyrians were right there at their doorsteps. Sometimes whole villages would commit suicide. That's how cruel they were and how bad it was. And he says, I'm going to deliver you into the hands of your lovers. You've given yourself to them. You've been enticed by them. You committed tree with them. And now you're going to be delivered to them. And it's really a sad... Um, you know, state of affairs and, and situation that we see here because you, you are going to be slewed. You're going to become a byword among women for they have executed judgment on her. And then your younger sister Jerusalem, that is in verse 11, although your sister Ahoylaba saw this, she became more corrupt in her lust than she and in her harlotry more corrupt than her sister's harlotry. Now, this is pretty... Um, Serious indictment that the Lord says that Jerusalem even committed uh, a worse harlotry. And, and what she has done uh, became more corrupt in her lust than she. And Jeremiah spoke about that in Jeremiah chapter 3. And what Jeremiah chapter 3 says is that, that you, Judah, you, Jerusalem, you should have learned from your sister Israel you saw what happened when they committed spiritual adultery, idolatry, and they were taken by the Assyrians. The prophets came to them, warned them that it would take place, that judgment was coming, and they did not pay attention. And you should have learned from that, but yet you did the same thing. And that's one of the things that can happen. Um, uh, Instead of learning from Uh, seeing others what happens to the consequences the repercussions of not following the lord and going after the world and being involved in sin you know we should learn from that And, and we can see it all around us and the lord is saying i don't want you to sin because i don't want you to go through the tragedies and the difficulties and and the the you know repercussions of sin and and Matter of fact, we know that these things are written for us here in Ezekiel. Paul would write for our admonition to, so we can learn from it. They say that you can learn from others' mistakes. You can learn from the past. But, you know, we don't have to commit those same things and we're to take heed to it. But yet you didn't, verse 11. You became more corrupt in her. Her har- harlotry was more corrupt than her sister's harlotry. And we see that the Lord would would say that to them. But we continue in verse 12. She lusted for the neighboring Assyrians, captains and rulers, clothed most uh, gorgeously, horsemen riding on horses, all of them desirable young men. Then I saw that she was defiled, verse 13, and took the same way. But she increased her harlotry, she looked at men, portrayed on the wall, images of Chaldeans, now I'm talking about Babylon, portrayed in vermilion, girded with belts around their waists flowing turbans on their heads, all of them looking like captains in the matter of the Babylonians of Chaldea, the land of their nativity. Verse 16, as soon as her eyes saw them, she lusted for them and sent messengers to them in Chaldea. So here it is, Judah lusting for Babylon. Then, verse 17, the Babylonians came to her and To the bed of love, and they defiled her in their immorality. So she was defiled by them and alienated herself from them. She revealed her harlotry and uncovered her nakedness. Then I alienated myself from her as I had alienated myself from her sister. So, some very sad verses that we're looking at. And instead of trusting the Lord, Judah trusted in the uh, Assyrians as well during the time of Ahaz, and I say it chapter seven. And you read that chapter, and what happened was the king of Syria and the king of Israel, Israel had not been taken off by the Assyrians at that time, that they were going to come against Ahaz, the king of Judah. Ahaz was a, uh, a terrible king, he was an idol worshiper, he brought idols into the temple there. And so it was Isaiah that came to him and had a word for him, and yet Ahaz wouldn't believe that word. And Isaiah said that if you do not believe the word of the Lord, you will not be established. And that's where the prophecy came, that the Lord's going to show you a sign, Ahaz, that a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and his name shall be called Emmanuel, that is, God with us. So we read that chapter, and Ahaz refused to turn to the Lord, believe in the Lord. The Lord said, Ahaz, this... this plot against you is not going to happen. Uh, What's going to happen is Syria and Israel are um, just a smoking brand of flax that's going to go away. They're going to be taken off into captivity, which happened. But it was Ahaz that what he did is he made his own plan. Instead of trusting the Lord, he went to the Assyrians and he made an alliance with them. And matter of fact, we also know from the historical books uh, of the Bible uh, in 2 Kings that it was Ahaz that ended up going up to Damascus as the king of Assyria, that he's sitting there on the throne uh, there in Damascus as he took over Syria. And it was Ahaz that went up and visited him to thank him and say, Thank you for helping me. And we know that he saw an idol that the the king of Assyria was worshiping. So he made the same idol and put it in the temple in Jerusalem. So he made that alliance to Assyria. And here it says, as you read in these verses they were enticed. They uh, were impressed with the Chaldeans, verses 14 and 16. And and so the Lord says, I alienated myself from her as I had alienated myself from her sister. They were defiled by the, the Babylonians. Now, the Assyrians, we know that what happened is they came down to Jerusalem, as you read in the book of of Isaiah, and they surrounded the city, uh the king of Assyria, was threatening Hezekiah and, and the people in Jerusalem. It was about the, the only place they needed to conquer, of course, the capital of Judah, uh, to, you know, to rule over them. And uh, we know that an angel came and destroyed 185, 186,000 Assyrian soldiers in one night. They would decline in power, and then the Babylonians would rise to power. And Hezekiah, when he was still king, Hezekiah, who was a good king, they had prayed to the Lord, the deliverance of Jerusalem. What was taking place here is the false prophets were coming on the scene and saying that God's going to deliver us once again from the Babylonians. Nothing's going to happen to us. Everything will be good, and this captivity is going to be over in a few years. And the Lord's saying, no, it's not going to happen. But we also know that some invoice would come as you read those chapters in Isaiah. And as you read in, in uh, chapters uh, you know, um, uh, 36 and 37 about the Assyrians surrounding uh, the city of Jerusalem. And then when you read in chapter 39, uh, the Babylonian invoice come. Uh, and we know that... Uh, as they came, they were just a, a small empire that was rising to power over 100 years before this time here in Ezekiel. And they took record of everything that Hezekiah showed them. And then Isaiah would say that the time's going to come when your young man's going to be taken off into captivity and then also the treasuries of the temple. So here they, they aligned themselves with the the Chaldeans, they were enticed by them, as we read. Let's continue in verse 19. Yet she multiplied her harlotry in calling to remembrance the days of her youth. When she played the harlot in the land of Egypt, for she lusted for her uh, uh, paramours, uh, whose flesh is like the flesh of donkeys, um, whose issue is like the issue of horses. Thus you called to remembrance the lewdness of your youth, when the Egyptians press your bosom because of're your useful uh, uh, breast, and as we read this after the Assyrians, the Babylonians were the world, world powers, I said, coming to Judah and to Jerusalem, and God uses uh, as we see here uh, this this object lesson um, that as he says that you lusted for her and um, and you went after her, the lewdness of her youth, and when the Egyptians press your bosom. And then as we read in verse 22, Therefore, Aholaba, uh, thus says the Lord, remember, speaking about Jerusalem, Behold, I will stir up your lovers against you. And that really stuck out with me. God uses the object of their desire to come against them. He gave them up. And sometimes, I think there's... An application for us as Christians. Sometimes a Christian sees something of the world or something that really pleases the flesh and they really are enticed by it. They really want to go after it and they will go after that thing and God will give them up. And when the Lord warns us, don't go that direction. Don't do this thing. You should learn from what the scriptures, the commands of the Lord says, what will happen if you commit sin. You've seen it happen in other people's lives, but yet You pursue it. And and so here the Lord says that I stir up your lovers against you from whom you alienated yourself. We don't want to alienate ourselves. We want to stay in that place of being safe and being blessed as we just look to the Lord. And he is our protector. He is the one that is faithful to us. He is the one that will bless us. Not the world or the, the things of the world. And as they were enticed by those foreign gods and those foreign, uh, you know, powers that are coming along, do we get enticed by things of the world? And, And it can happen so easily in very subtle ways. But he continues in verse twenty three, talking about the Babylonians, all the Chaldeans, Pikad, Shoah, Koa, they may be tribes of the Chaldeans, all the Assyrians with them, all of them desirable young men, governors and rulers, captains and men of renown, all of them riding on horses, and they shall come against you with chariots, wagons, and war horses, with a horde of people, they shall array against you buckler, shield and helmet all around. And I will delegate judgment to them, and they shall judge you according to their judgments. I will set my jealousy against you, and they shall deal furiously with you. They shall remove your nose and your ears, and your remnant shall fall by the sword. They shall take your sons and your daughters, and your remnant shall be devoured by fire. They also uh, strip you of your clothes and take away your beautiful jewelry, as we read here in verse 26. And then in verse 27, thus I will make you cease your lewdness and your harlotry brought from the land of Egypt so that you will not lift your eyes to them nor remember Egypt anymore. So what had happened was um, that they, uh, Jerusalem tried to make alliance with Egypt and that wasn't going to help. And and then he talks about what's going to happen. They're going to take your sons, your daughters uh, they're going to strip you of your clothes, and um, I'll make you cease of your lewdness and your harlotry as they would go off into captivity. And in verse 28, where thus says the Lord God, Surely I will deliver you into the hands of those you hate, into the hand of those from whom you alienated yourself. They will deal hatefully with you, take away all that you have worked for, and leave you naked and bare. The nakedness of your harlotry shall be uncovered, both your lewdness and your harlotry. Verse 30, I will do these things to you, because you have gone uh, as a harlot after the Gentiles, because you have become defiled by their idols. You have walked in the way of your sister, therefore I will put her cup in her hand. And so... Uh, we see here that he talks about i 'll deal with you, um, the nakedness of your harlotry um, and and the things that are spoken here in this chapter, and he talks about um, how you 're going to be cut off and Uh, verse 32. Thus says the Lord God, you shall drink of your sister's cup, the deep and wide open. You shall be laughed to scorn and held in derision. It contains much. You have been filled with drunkenness and sorrow, the cup of horror and desolation. The cup of your sister Samaria, you shall drink and drain it. You shall break its uh, shards and tear at your own breast, for I have spoken, says the Lord God. So these words are, are very hard to hear. And as he talks about that They hate you. They're going to, you know, come against you. And they are going to take your sons and your daughters. Uh, they strip you of your clothes. Take your beautiful jewelry. You're going to lose everything. And and matter of fact, it talks about how they're going to to cut off your face. They're going to cut off, you know, those things. And that was a practice in uh, Mesopotamia, facial mutilation. Uh, As you read Daniel chapter 2 that when the wise man of Babylon could not tell Nebuchadnezzar the dream that he had had and in the interpretation of the dream, he said, I'm going to cut you to pieces. And that's what they would do. That's how mean they were. I'm going to cut you to pieces and, and make your house as a dunghill. And it was Daniel, of course, that ended up giving the dream and the interpretation of the dream. But that was capital punishment. Here, for those who committed Adultery. The idea was a woman's face would uh, be cut and, and, or a man's and become grotesque to where she was undesirable for anyone else. And Judah's going to be taken off into captivity and beaten and disfigured and naked and stripped for all to see. Graphic illustrations that are being told to us, but it really tells us, listen, for us as we read this, that what happens when we pursue sin, that just... Um, it's, it's just bad news and it's going to lead us to a place where uh, we're going to be naked and we're going to be um, you know, uh, stripped, we're going to be beaten, we're going to be discouraged. All those things are the result of going after the things of the world or after sin. And as we read this, it it's, is something, uh, as he uses this poetic uh, language, um, saying that you've forgotten me. You've forgotten me. You've set me aside. And as we read in verse 35, Therefore thus says the Lord God, Because you've forgotten me and cast me behind your back, therefore you shall bear the penalty of your lewdness and your harlotry. And then as we go into verse 36, he's going to really tell how bad it was with both sisters being judged. And the Lord also said to me, Son of man, you will judge Ahola, that is Samaria, and Aholaba, that is Jerusalem, Judah, then declare to them their abominations. For they have committed adultery, and the blood is on their hands. They have committed adultery with their idols, and even sacrificed their sons, whom they bore to me, passing them through the fire to devour them. And moreover, they have done this to me. They have defiled my sanctuary in the same day, and profaned my Sabbath. So this really caught my attention. They passed their children to the fire as they would burn them there in the Gehenna Valley. Uh, on the arms of Moloch, they would pass their children through the fire and then they would go in to the temple and they would defile his sanctuary on the same day, on the Sabbath. And and you see, it reminds me of what can happen to those who, you know, will sin. Sometimes people will live in sin during the week, uh, commit sin, um, go after that which is wrong, uh, and then they go to church on Sunday and they think it's okay. And that's my time to come to the Lord. I'll go to church, everything will be okay. And the Lord's saying, no, it's not okay. They're not repentive. They're not sorry for what they have done. They don't think they've done anything wrong. And we never want to have that mindset. And then in verse 40, Furthermore, you sent for men to come from afar to whom a messenger was sent, and there they came, and you watched yourself for them, painted your eyes, and adorned yourself with ornaments. You sat on a stately couch with a table prepared before it, on which you had set my incense and my oil. The sound of a carefree multitude was with her. And Sabaeans were brought from the wilderness with men of the common sort, who put bracelets on their wrists, and beautiful crowns on their heads. Then I said concerning her who has grown old in adulteries, will they commit a harlotry with her now and she with them? Yet they went into her as men go into women who plays the harlot. Thus they went into Ahola and Aholaba, the lewd women. And Samaria in Jerusalem enticed her lovers to come to her. And as Christians, we need to be careful um, you know, that we're not trying to entice that which is going to harm us spiritually. It reminds me of Proverbs chapter 7, that Proverbs Solomon's talking about the enticing woman, the harlot, and how, you know, the, the one that immediately goes after her. And then, you know, the repercussions because of it. And Solomon writes, don't let your heart be turned aside to her way. And we don't want to be turned aside to the world or committing spiritual, uh, you know, uh, harlotry. and, And we need to be faithful to the Lord. And I know that we fail at times. But not to be enticed by the things of the world. Keep our eyes on the Lord. Keep following him. Be faithful to him. You know, be walking with him. Stay close to him. In verse 45, "...by righteous men will judge them after the manner of um, adulteresses and after the manner of women who shed blood, because they are adulteresses and blood is on their hands. For thus says the Lord God, bring up assembly against them, give them into trouble and plunder. The assembly shall stone them with stones and execute them with their swords, and they shall slay their sons and their daughters and burn their houses with fire." Thus I will cause lewdness to cease from the land, that all women may be taught not to practice your lewdness. They shall repay you for your lewdness, and you shall pay for your idolatrous sins. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So speaking of, of God's prophets, such as the others, you know, Isaiah, Jeremiah, here Ezekiel, Daniel was off, uh, that we know that they... Uh, would speak God's word, but they didn't heed the word of God. So God's going to bring here through Ezekiel and also through Jeremiah the words of God's judgment that would come to them because of their lewdness. Chapter 24, again, in the ninth year, in the tenth month, in the tenth day of the month, the word of the Lord came to me saying, so this is two years after chapter 23, that Son of Man, write down the name of the day, this very day the king of the Babylon started his siege against Jerusalem on this very day. So it is believed, and as we move on um, in Ezekiel, again, this day is given to us. And they have, um, they have calculated to be on January 15, 588 B.C. The siege lasted for over two years, and 586 B.C., and what would be the month of August, uh, in our calendar is when they broke through the walls, but that's when the siege began. So here, you know, Ezekiel, right down this day, when, when the siege starts against Jerusalem. And under, as we continue reading in chapter 24, verse 3, and utter a parable to the rebellious house and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, put on a post, set it on, and also pour water on it. Gather pieces of meat in it, every good piece, the thigh and the shoulder, fill it with choice cuts, take the choice of the flock, also pile fuel bones under it, make it boil well, and let the cuts simmer in it. So Jerusalem's going to be cooked. In verse 6, therefore thus says the Lord God, woe to the bloody city, to the pot whose scum is in it, whose scum has not gone from it, bring out piece by piece, on which no lot has fallen. For her blood is in her midst. She set it on top of a rock. She did not pour it on the ground to cover it with dust, that it may raise up fury and take vengeance. I have set her blood on top of a rock, that it may not be covered. The meat in the pot being cooked, instead of releasing delicious juices, uh, scum is being released. And Judah is stained with sin, and it was uncovered for all to see. And we continue in verse 9. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, woe to the bloody city. I will make the pyre great. A Pyre was um, a combustible heap for burning of dead bodies is what it was. It will be great. Heap on the wood. Kindle the fire. Cook the meat well. Mix in the spices and let the cuts be burned up. And set the pot empty on the coals, that it may become hot, and its bronze may burn. That its filthiness may be melted in it, and scum may be consumed. She has grown weary with lies, and her great scum has not gone from her. Let her scum be in the fire, and your filthiness is lewdness, because I have cleansed you, and you are not cleansed. You will not be cleansed of your filthiness any more till I have caused my fury to rest upon you. Verse 14, I, the Lord, have spoken it, it shall... Come to pass and I will do it. I will not hold back, nor will I spare, nor will I relent, according to your ways and according to your deeds. They will judge you, says the Lord God. So here we see that bronze is being spoken of um, in these verses that we uh, read here in verse 11. The pot empty on the coals that may become hot and its bronze may burn. Bronze in, in the Old Testament speaks of judgment. And I want to, as we read this, these are hard words that we've been reading in Ezekiel. And sometimes we can think there's chapter after cha- chapter of judgment that is speaking, spoken of, and it's hard to read, and, and, and death and devastation, and how the Lord's going to give them up because of their lewdness. If there's anything that we get from this, it, it's that the Lord is showing us the seriousness of sin. And. We don't just wink at sin, or it's no big deal. We all do it. But if we continue in sin, what happens? And and the seriousness of it. Now, Jesus, in John chapter 3, said to Nicodemus, that Nicodemus, I must be lifted up as Moses lifted that serpent in the wilderness. He was making reference to the book of Numbers. And what happened was the children of Israel were sinning, And the snakes came into the camp and were biting the people, and they were dying. So Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord said, get a a brass serpent, put it on a pole, put it in the middle of the camp. Whoever looked at that brass serpent would be healed. And Jesus said to Nicodemus, I must be lifted up, uh, as Moses lifted that serpent in the wilderness, because all of us have been bitten by the snake of sin And it's serious, and it's so serious that we know that it causes spiritual death. That death and sin came into the world because of Adam. And and sin brings that spiritual death. And it was so serious that Jesus had to be lifted up. And he took the judgment for you and for me. That's the good news. But I pray that we would never take that for granted. And that we would live for him. We belong to him. We're the bride of Christ. Not to commit spiritual adultery, harlotry. Be faithful to him. This is what it reminds me. It challenges me. And not to be enticed by the world. Those are very important lessons for us that I pray that we get as we read these difficult verses. But also we see that the prophet, he's going to feel somewhat of the heart of God in this as it 's difficult, what we see that Ezekiel, who was married, his wife dies verse fifteen, also the word of the Lord came to me, saying, "Son of man, behold, it takes away from you the desire of your eyes with one stroke, yet you shall neither mourn nor weep, nor shall your tears run down. Sigh in silence, make no mourning for the dead, blind you know bind your Uh, Turn it on your head and put your sandals on your feet. Do not cover your lips. Do not eat man's bread of sorrow. So I spoke to the people in the morning. And that evening my wife died. And the next morning I did as I was commanded. You know, these are real, you know, sobering verses. That Ezekiel's wife ends up dying. And, And here in verse 16, I take note that, Behold, I take away from you the desire of your eyes. The desire of your eyes. That should be the thought of every husband. That my wife is the desire of my eyes. Not other things. Not be enticed by other things. And there's a lot of things that you can set your eyes on. And here Ezekiel says, the desire of my eyes, my wife, that's what the Lord says, she's going to die. And this is difficult for Ezekiel. And he's feeling some of the things that was going on in the heart of God as he would see a nation that was dying. Uh, that the nation, his people were the desires of his eyes. He doesn't take delight in judging the wicked. But also we see here that, that he said something that really caught my eye as well. And I was thinking about, so I spoke to the people in the morning and in the evening. My wife died and the next morning I did as, well, uh, as I was commanded. He kept on ministering. He spoke the word the next morning. His wife dies that evening. And it seems like, was the Lord being insensitive? The Lord wasn't being insensitive. I, I think we know the Lord's heart of Ezekiel, the desires of your eyes, and, and she died. And But I want you to keep ministering. I want you to keep ministering, Ezekiel. And that would be very, very difficult. And so... As Ezekiel does that, he did what the next morning as he was commanded. So the question for me can be do I do in the morning what the Lord has commanded me in the evening? To keep ministering. And even in times, you know, there's times of grieving and deep grief. And when we see what happened in Boulder, the death that took place, the senseless act that took place that we still want to continue, even in the sorrow and sadness, to minister God's word to others, that to be able to minister his truth to others and God's comfort to others, as difficult as it can be when we have our own personal tragedies and difficulties that happen. And, And so here you keep ministering. Ezekiel, I still have a word for you to do. And he would give that word even through the loss, even through the difficulty. Very sobering verses as I look at this, and it challenges me as I look at this because I know that we all, you know, it rains on the just and the unjust. And there are those times where we need to take rest and need to heal in all these things. But I know that for me, I want to keep ministering as long as the Lord has given me breath. Even in the difficult times. And I can't do it in my own strength. Ezekiel couldn't do it in his own strength. It's only through the strength of the Lord. So as you finish the chapter, you, you can read it there. And again, as he spoke to the people. And, and it was an illustration. The people said in verse 19, I'll read it to you. Will you not tell us what these things signify to us? That you have behaved so? And then I answered them. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Speak to the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will profane my sanctuary, your arrogant boast, the desire of your eyes, the delight of your soul. Your sons and daughters who you left behind shall fall by the sword. So again, this judgment is being spoken to them. And then in verse 24, we move down there. Ezekiel uh, is assigned to you according to all that he has done to you shall do. And when this comes, you shall know that I am the Lord. And you, son of man, will it not be in a day when I take from them their stronghold? their joy and their glory, their desires of their eyes, and that which they set their minds on, their sons and their daughters. On that day, one who escapes will come to you to let you hear it with your ears. He would receive news of the disaster that happened on Jerusalem. And on that day, uh, your mouth will be opened to him who has escaped. You shall speak and no longer be mute. Thus you shall be a sign to them, and they shall know that I am the Lord so here you know Ezekiel having a very difficult ministry and a very difficult time going through difficult losses but the Lord would speak through him and the Lord desires to continue to speak through us in the difficult days that we are in so father we thank you for these chapters and Lord they're they're hard to to read at times but there are those lessons for us and and challenges for us to pray through and And again, in the days in which we're in, we can be overwhelmed as we see the things around us. But you desire for us to be that voice of truth. So help us to. And to always point towards the hope that we have of an empty tomb. 2,000 years ago, Jesus rising from the grave. And Lord, may our desire always be you, Lord. Not to be enticed by the world. Not to go after those things of the world. You know, um, but Lord, to, to be impressed with them. But help us to be faithful to you because you are faithful to us. So Father, I just pray that you would guide us, strengthen us, remind us the, of these things that going after the world and the things of the world, that Lord, that they just bring serious consequences and hurt and pain. So Lord, help us to stay in your word, stay close to you. And Lord, have a desire to follow after you, taking up our cross and following you as we die to self. Lord, we know that the world, what it has to offer is, it deceives us, and Lord, it will leave us empty. It will leave us discouraged. But Lord, you're the one that has the words of eternal life and desire to give us life abundantly as we just look to you in every way. Again, we just ask for these days that you would help us keep us strong when we mourn, that, Lord, when we experience difficulties, when we have the challenges, to keep looking to you. And, Lord, what you command us in the evening, that we would do it in the morning. So, Lord, thank you for this time. Bless everyone here. We look forward to Sunday coming together and looking at the story of Jesus' triumphal entry and being encouraged and blessed in every way. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Hope to see you on Sunday, 8, 9, 30, and 11 o'clock. God bless you.